to change the world. The Holy Spirit not only received by us, but he baptizes us. Now, you can have the Spirit and not be baptized in the Spirit. That's what that means. You can drink water and not be in a pool. So you can have water but not be in water. And that's why Jesus did something interesting in the book of John, the 21st chapter. When he rose from the dead, very important, he gathered his disciples with him. And the Bible says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. At that moment, they were converted. They were born again. Can I hear an amen? Before the death of Jesus, the Holy Spirit could not enter man's body. Because it took a blood covenant to deal with the sin issue in order to sanctify man's body so the Holy Spirit could live in it again. When Adam lost the spirit, the spirit couldn't come in until Christ paid the price on the cross. So when the, when the blood was shared on Calvary, thank God for the blood, and he went to hell and took the keys of death and went back home. Born again is receiving what your great, 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 great granddaddy Adam lost. Born again is getting back hooked up with God. Born again is receiving God again in your life. It's not going to church and putting your name on a roll and dressing up. It's actually a personal experience where God comes back to live on the side of a person. Go ahead, clap. It's a good place to clap. It's true. Let me tell you why I think that's important. A lot of people get so caught up in the behavior of Christianity that they don't understand the reality of the presence of God in their body. Tell your neighbor, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives in me and I must keep it clean. Now, if you believe that, would you really do some of the things you do? If you really believe that, would you really go some places you go? If you believe that, would you really read some things you read? And if you really believe that, would you really look at some videos and movies that you really look at? If you know that God lives in you, would you just dump this body with anybody? You see, it has to hit home. It has to drive itself into your mind that the Holy Spirit lives in this body. One of your favorite statements should be, I can't afford that. <laughs> Any temptation. I can't afford that. Why? Because I am not the owner of this real estate. This body belongs to God. It is his property. The Holy Spirit, therefore, lives in us, and he is our personal counselor. Now, let me just quickly list for you how the power of the Holy Spirit is manifested. Please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we read this earlier today, and those of you watching by television, of course, I hope you can get your Bible in the hotel room or in your house or wherever you are. But I want you to read this because it's very important for all of us to be re reminded and also to be educated in the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Very important statement Paul makes about the Holy Spirit. He begins by saying this. Brothers, concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. So it's possible to be ignorant of the Holy Spirit's gifts. Therefore, people who don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit or don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, don't get mad at them, okay? Don't preach against them, all right? Don't even argue with them. If they don't believe it, no problem. They were not the first ones to have a problem with it. Ignorance is ignorance. If you don't know something, how are you going to know it? So you don't argue with a person who don't know what they're talking about. Dr. Horner, one of our friends here and a trustee of our ministry, you got to read his story sometime. Dr. Horner used to be a Southern Baptist. A very staunch professor in the Southern Baptist University. Matter of fact, Dr. Horner was one of those who was writing a book against the Holy Ghost, baptism. And in his research, as a, he was one of the top Greek scholars in the entire United States. And in his study, to prove that the baptism doesn't exist, 
He got baptized in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> so he said he had a problem. Here he was speaking in tongues in his study. Now he got to go tell the professors at the university what happened to him. And he said for months he had to just keep it quiet. He didn't know what to do. He's, they gave him an assignment to prove it doesn't work. And in the process of trying to prove it, it happened to him. How is he going to explain this to the board? Well, you know, he was released from his job. And guess what? He said as soon as he was released, the next day he got a call from All Roberts University. Would you like a job? <laughs> God is really cool. And if you know anything about All Roberts University, it's stated in the foundational principle of the school. It says this school is built on the Holy Spirit. So he became the dean of the School of Biblical Studies, preaching and teaching the power of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, casting out demons, and interpreting tongues. And that's why he's such a man of great love and passion today. If you don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, don't kick it. All right? If you ain't never had it, mind your business. We must understand the gifts to appreciate them. Now let's take a look at this. Verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same what? Spirit. Electricity manifesting itself in different ways. There are different kinds of services, but the same what? Lord. Services here means ministries, but the same Lord. Now watch the, the, the relationship between those two statements. Different kinds of what? Gifts, but what? Same spirit. The gift there is the word charisma or charisma in the Greek. And it means the enablements of God or the abilities of God. God gives people abilities to do things. Then it says there are many services, but one Lord. Jesus appoints you. To a service, the Holy Ghost equips you for the service. See the relationship? So whatever you were born to do, he enables you to do. Whatever you were called to do, he will equip you to do. That's why I always say, whatever you are called for, he provides for. Whatever God demands from you, he supplies. He never expects from you what he doesn't give you. That's why when God tells you to do something, it's an indication that you can because he never calls for what he doesn't provide for. Now, look at verse 7. Now to each one... The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge. To another the gift of, of, uh, of interpretation, rather of faith rather. And by the same Spirit to another gift of healing. To another the gift of miracles. And to another prophecy. And to another the discerning of spirits. And to another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another interpretation of tongues. But all of these are the work of the one and the same spirit and he gives them to each one just as he determines it's important to underline the last statement the Holy Spirit decides who gets what when and let me suggest, let me suggest something strongly and that is sometimes he doesn't repeat himself you may prophesy on Monday but he mightn't lie to prophesy anymore he may he may manifest uh, the gift of healing through you. It doesn't mean that you are a healer. And then, of course, he may go ahead and manifest the interpretation that tells you. That means you are not an interpreter. Just for that one moment, for that period, for that incident, he used you. Now, some folks get a prophecy, and they call themselves prophet. And because there's only an incident where God used them, now they've got to make up prophecies for the rest of the time to keep their ministry going. Can I hear an amen? Some folks, God used to heal someone at a point. As a gift, they lay hands and the person got healed. All of a sudden, they open a church, printed cards, healer come into town. Now they got to make up healing, create healings, invent healings. And yeah, You feel it anymore? No. You sure? No. Right. You feel it. Right. All right. You see, God 
doesn't allow anyone to monopolize his gifts. The Bible says, he chooses, he gives them to whom he wills. By the way, that also means he may use somebody you don't like to come up here and prophesy one day. Uh-oh. And you're so busy getting mad at them, you don't hear what God said through them. And you miss God. God will use sometime a donkey if you ain't listening. He did it one time. Say, neighbor, if a donkey qualifies, I don't have a bad idea. <laughs> God could use a donkey to prophesy to Balaam. I mean, I'm sure God could use you to prophesy to anybody. Doesn't mean you're a donkey, but some of you are pretty close. <laughs> God can use anybody. Some of these young people who just got saved. Some of you think, well, they, they can't get no prophecy from God. Who says so? Those kids are hooked up to the Holy Spirit. They got the same Holy Ghost you got. I can't hear you all this morning. The man, the young boy who came from the street in the gang, when he received Christ, he has the Holy Ghost, the whole person in him. And if God wants to prophesy to that young boy, we got to be careful that we are not those who resist prophecy. There's some old saints who ain't got a word from the Lord. Been saved for 50 years and can't hear God. <laughs> and the young person's so excited, they just obey God, yes, Lord, and they're ready. Old folks figure they don't need to hear from God no more. God, so God don't talk to them no more. No. The Holy Spirit gives the gifts to whom he will. But we must be very cautious with these gifts. We must be careful in promoting the acts of God above God himself. Some people are so are hungry for the tongues that they don't want to worship Jesus who gives them. People come forward for prayer sometime and they say, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I say, okay, lift your hands and just praise the Lord. And they sit there. And I say, worship the Lord. Let me tell you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is Jesus revealing himself in his spirit. So when you worship Jesus, the Bible says the Holy Spirit helps you with your groanings. <laughs> so when you start to worship God, your spirit begins to excel before the Lord. It begins to expand before the Lord. And you begin to give God glory and praise and honor. And there comes a point where your, your language can't express how you feel. And the Holy Ghost helps your infirmities, gives you tongues. So when you're going to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, don't just sit there waiting for the preacher to give you some words. La, 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 la. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. Matter of fact, it's supposed to happen because you can't help it. Come on, somebody. You are so full of joy and so full of worship. You're so full of into Jesus. You're telling him how you feel about him. Matter of fact, I got filled with the Holy Ghost just by praising him. How many of you got it that way? I mean, that's the way you get it? Yeah. You just be so full of Jesus. Oh, Lord, I love you. I love you. Oh, God. All of a sudden, you don't know what to say. You say, oh, Lord, I'm going to get out of my God. Holy Ghost, say, come on. Come on. Say it. And he helps you. The Bible says, in your weakness to express God's joy. He helps you in your weakness. And with groanings that cannot be uttered with the mind. So don't let's put his axe over him. We make sure that we get more excited about Jesus than we are about his gifts. And a lot of people get excited about miracles in the physical realm than they do in the spiritual realm. The Western mind is so messed up with our technological advancement that it takes supernatural occurrences to arouse our minds. Both Christian and pagan have the same problem. We analyze everything that if we can't analyze it, we don't believe it works. The Christian wants miracles and signs, don't they? 
and the pagans turn to witchcraft and occult. Both of them got the same problem. Catch a plane to go to Orlando to see brother, my friend brother, what is his name? Benny Hinn. They catch a bus and they ain't go ready. They want to go see something. They want to see wheelchairs. They want to see people get out of, out of bed. They want to see. And the Bible says the gifts shall follow the believer. Now, I'm not against you going to crusades. Don't get me wrong. I'm not against you going to these meetings. Praise the Lord. Thank God we need to go there and worship and get, get into the ministry. But I hope you go there to get your gifts stirred up, not to get entertained. Instead of following the gifts, the gifts are supposed to follow us. But because we are so jaded in our minds, we need to see miraculous things in order to have our senses aroused. And the pagans do the same thing. That's why they love witchcraft. You know, a lot of our young people are getting involved in witchcraft because they're looking for the same thing. They want to see something beyond computer. They want to see something beyond Game Boy. So they're joining cults because the cults promise them power from an unnatural source. We need to be careful. We are preoccupied with a desire for the cosmic. We are looking for the demonic breakthrough. People are playing and flirting with demon power to stimulate their stated spirits because they want to tap into a power that's bigger than them. And they've got to be careful with this. My concern is about our misplaced emphasis on the outward manifestation of the spirit rather than our experience with the Christ of that spirit. Jesus had a very important word to say to people who seek after signs. And it's found in Matthew chapter 16, verse 1 to 6. Here's what he says. He says, only a wicked and an adulterous generation seek after signs. I don't want you to seek the gifts of the Spirit just to say you have them. You need to seek the gifts of the Spirit because you need them. Jesus made it very clear why we needed them. He told the disciples, after he breathed on them, what did he say to them? Then he says, go to Jerusalem and wait for what? The power. So they have the, the person, but they didn't experience the power of the person. Now, when Jesus... But they didn't experience the power of the person. Now, when Jesus breathed on them, nothing was recorded as being manifested. There was no crying, no speaking, no shouting, no dancing, or nothing. He just breathed on them. And by the way... When you get saved, that's exactly what he does. He breathes into you, his spirit. And sometimes there's no lightning, no, no thunder, no earthquake, nothing. You don't even feel like something happened. That's how they felt. He just breathed on them. And then he said, receive you the Holy Spirit. They had to believe what he said. Let that sink in for a minute. Someone comes to you and says, okay, you want to receive Christ? Yes. Then believe in him. Okay, I believe. Now confess him as Lord. You're my Lord. You're saved. And your first question is, I don't feel anything. Well, suppose I walk up to you and did like this. <sighs> Receive the Holy Spirit. I mean, you have to believe my word in order to actually accept that it happened. That's exactly what Jesus did. He just breathed on them. <sighs> they had to believe that when he breathed, the Spirit came in. But now when they have the Spirit, he tells them, don't go into the ministry yet. Go to Jerusalem and stay there. Don't go into all the world yet. Even though I told you to go into all the world, don't go yet. Why? Until you are endued with power from on high, 
and then the Holy Ghost shall come upon you and you shall what? Be witnesses unto me to the utmost parts of the world. Therefore, Jesus separates conversion from baptism. Now, if you're born again, praise God. But listen, you will never live a victorious life until you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that's why this foundation of doctrine must be reinforced. We are not just to receive salvation. We must receive the infilling and the energizing power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are meant to bring about not the fullness of the Spirit, but the fullness of Christ. We're supposed to manifest who Christ is by the gifts of the Spirit. That's why we're not supposed to merchandise the gifts and, 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 and sell the gifts for money. Hello, somebody. I know people who sell prophecies. You, 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 you come to me, give me 20 bucks, I give you a prophecy. I've seen people who actually sell miracles. You know, you come to me, put a good offering in, I pray for you to get healed. That's merchandising and commercializing God's wonderful gifts. The gifts were shown to witness unto Christ, to show that Christ is alive. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is to show evidence that Jesus is alive now. And without those gifts, we work in our own flesh. We must not hold the gifts over the giver. It is Christ who is to be lifted up. Not the Holy Spirit, but Christ. Is that right? Jesus said what? He will not speak anything of his own. He will only speak what he receives from me. Which means that we are got to be careful not to pursue the Holy Ghost for the Holy Ghost's sake, but for Christ's sake. We must not de desire the gifts for personal gain but desire them to bring about God's kingdom on earth. God will not be no man's magician. <laughs> and Jesus will not be coaxed into performing tricks for Herod or anybody else. I think it's very serious when we get to the point where we look and seek after miracles for entertainment. The greatest evidence of the work of God has been done by God's Spirit and is found in the redeeming life and the resurrection of Christ. That's the greatest work of God. But only God can change lives redemptively. This then becomes the act and the acid test of God's presence in any movement or any church. And let me close, if you will, with something I want you to take a note of concerning the gifts. And then we're going to pray for a lot of people this morning. It's a very timely moment for us to lay hands on people. Jesus had the gift of endowment of power. Jesus was a man, and he was God. But I ask you a question. If Jesus was man and God, why did the Holy Ghost come upon Jesus? If he needed the Holy Spirit, you know you need the Holy Spirit. Now, I had never heard of any spirit coming from heaven and entering any other leader of any religion. I never heard of any religion promising that you would receive the spirit of the leader. Jesus is the only man who was able to say, I go away, but only for a short while. I'll come right back. And I am with you, but I will be in you. I will be in you. I will guide you. I will teach you. I will discern. I will do miracles. I will prophesy. I will teach. I will do this. He says, I'm coming personally to live in you through the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, when he received the Holy Spirit, let me ask you a question. Is there any record of the Holy Spirit acting anywhere while Christ was on earth? It's very, very interesting. When Christ began his ministry, the Holy Spirit came upon him, 
and we hear nothing about the Holy Ghost from that time on. Nothing until the resurrection. Which means that the Holy Ghost was trapped in a body called Jesus. Now that creates a problem. That means Jesus limited himself so we could become unlimited. He became total man, total God, and he possessed a dual nature. He was God and man. But he was doing a, a universal job of redemption. And to relate to us, he had to become man. And to stay in touch with his own nature, he had to remain God. And those two is called the incarnation. Jesus voluntarily limited himself, laid aside his original power and glory, his eternal riches. And he did that to become subject to time, to space, and to death. He became subjected to the law. In the book of Galatians, chapter 4, verse 4, write that down. It says, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. Which means Christ was brought under the law to redeem us. He became limited to space. Therefore, Jesus never went beyond Palestine. Now, I want to say this is very interesting. Christ came to save the world, but his life for 33 years was in a little piece of earth, and he never left it. India was not far, but he never went to India. Italy was not far, but he never went to Rome. He never went to see Caesar. Africa was not far, but he never went to Ethiopia. Jesus was limited in a little spot. As a matter of fact, here's a big surprise. He only went to Jerusalem twice. His whole ministry was in a little town, basically called Capernaum. And that was right around the Lake of Galilee. He was born in Bethlehem, moved to Nazareth. His ministry was headquarters was in Capernaum. So he stayed in one area. Now, this is important. Here is God, a victim of space. So forever was trapped in now. Eternity was trapped in present. Infinity was trapped in finiteness. Here was everything in one thing. It was God trapped because of you. That's, I want you to watch this now. Who does all the work? It's not by might. Come on. Not by power. By my spirit, says the Lord. Say it again. Not by might. Not by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord. Okay. Come here, Pastor Mark. Mark today is going to be acting as Jesus. Okay. This is Jesus for the sake of illustration. Inside of him is the whole Holy Ghost. <laughs> Sounds funny. Anyhow. The Holy, the Bible says he was filled with the Holy Spirit without measure. Very important statement. It means that he had him all. That's why you couldn't hear anything about the Holy Ghost as long as Christ was on his work. That means the Spirit that created the universe was in a body. The Spirit that created Mars and Jupiter and Venus and the Milky Way and the galaxies and the black hole. That Spirit was trapped on two legs, two hands, two eyes, a nostril and an ear. The guy was trapped. Now, could you imagine all that power in one body? Come on, you all say something to me. I mean, all this power that made the universe is in a man. And so Jesus says, it is good for you that I leave. Hallelujah. He said, if I, I, I know you all like me. You all like me to feed you fish and bread and walk on the water and heal your mother-in-law, Peter. You like me to raise the dead boy and the little girl. And I know you like to see me leave the lepers and all the cleanse them. You like me. I know you like me. You love the way I teach and everything. Bless your heart. He says, but it's better for you that I leave. 
Why? Because if I do not leave, the Holy Spirit cannot come. Why? I got him. So the Holy Spirit, therefore, is limited to time. What's the time? The time was 33 and a half years, trapped in the body. The Holy Spirit could not be in all of Jesus at the same time and also walking around Rome and stuff. Why? He had him without measure. That's why when they call him a demon, he says, that's unpardonable. You're talking to the whole thing now. <laughs> Hallelujah. You ever wonder why Jesus never allowed a demon to testify about him? Every time a demon says, we know who thou art, he says, shut up. Why? Only the Holy Ghost is supposed to convict you, not a demon spirit. Come on, y'all say something. Understand that? Only the Holy Ghost is supposed to convict a man, not a demon. So here he is trapped. Time and space and a body. Now here's his words. It is better for you that I go. And if I go, greater works than these that you're so impressed with shall you do. Because I go to my father. A phrase. I got all the ghosts you need. And it's not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. So whatever you got to do, you need what I got. And I got all of them. And if I stay in this body, you can't get it. So it's better for you that I go and leave this body, go to my father, deposit the body. Then the Holy Spirit can come back. And instead of having one body in one place at one time, limited by one geographical area, I will be able to do greater works everywhere, anytime, all the time, on everybody. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap this morning. The Holy Spirit fills the body of Christ. Come on, shout hallelujah, somebody. Come on, shout hallelujah. Say hallelujah, somebody. And so what he did was he released the spirit. That's why the Bible says he expired. Didn't say he died. The Greek word is to breathe out on the cross. Now the Holy Spirit is free. Why did he have to die before he breathed out? Because it took the blood to cleanse the vessels. <laughs> the blood was supposed to purify the vessels. There are a couple billion of them today. And they were real clean. Yes, sir. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from what? All sin. And when the sin is gone, you are holy again. That's why the Holy Spirit can come back into your holy body and keep you holy. Come on, somebody. The blood of Jesus. So the blood of Jesus was a prerequisite for the release of the Holy Ghost to sanctify the vessels so he could live in all of them. And now today we are doing greater works. We are. Why? It doesn't mean greater in quality. It means greater in magnitude and quantity. Christ can heal people all over the world right now at the same time. Everywhere. He can speak God's word all over the world right now at the same time. He can cast out demons all over the world right now at the same time. Why? Because his body has grown so big that he has 1.8 billion hands times two. That's how much that is, Pastor Henry? 2.6 billion 
3.6 billion hands. That's a lot of hands, huh? So when Christ is in the food store, and he's in the mechanic shop, and he's in the, in the governor's office, and he's downtown shopping, he's everywhere one time. Why? He's walking in his body. So the Holy Spirit is God's personal presence with each one of us. Now the baptism is when that Holy Ghost is released. Now here, he breathes on them. Can I have some of you folks come here, please? I want to close with a demonstration. It's a very interesting demonstration. I think it helps you see the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you stand around him, please? Let's make a circle around him. Come on, my dear. It's always more women getting filled than men. Look at that. Here. Can you stand, stand, stand in front of him? That's good. All right. Now, he's breathing on them, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. So each one of them now has what he has. KQJO, St. Joseph Natchez 99.3.